Welcome to the Strength Talking Shop podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. We talk all things strength, coaching, fitness, nutrition, powerlifting, strongman. If it involves a barbell, we're going to talk about it. We are presented by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. We all know that protein is the key to muscle recovery, and Gold Standard's best-selling 100% whey protein provides 24 grams of protein that mix easily using just a glass and spoon. Gold Standard 100% whey is made in their state-of-the-art facility. It's banned substance tested by Informed Choice. And with Optimum Nutrition Athletics program, you can get different items such as their Pro Gainer, which is their Mass Gainer, protein snacks such as their crisp bars, wafers, cake bites, and almonds. And after dominating the sports and nutrition industry for over 30 years, newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings that same trust and quality that knows how to put convenient options for protein in the hands of athletes who desire to become bigger, stronger, and better at their sport. If this is something that you're interested in and in getting into your facility, reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics. Down in the show notes, he's got his email. Dave and the team at Optimum Nutrition Athletics are absolutely amazing. They'll get everything that you need. I use their products every single day. I use the Gold Standard 100% Way for my post-workouts. If I need something quick for protein on the go throughout the day, and also if I need to grab a snack, I'll just grab one of the almonds, uh, some of the cake bites, and then also the crisps. Absolutely love the crisps and the almonds. So make sure you reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics, and thank you for being our sponsor. Hey, yo, it's the uh, Strength Talking Shop podcast. Very excited to have a fellow Bearcat on here, uh, Coach Nick Kraus. He's the strength and conditioning coach, assistant baseball coach, and the junior high football coach at uh, Platteview High School up in Nebraska, a little bit outside of Omaha. Good afternoon, Coach. How are you? Coach, I'm great. Thanks for having me on, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm doing pretty good. It's a little rainy Friday down here in uh, in Kansas City, but hey, we're pushing through, man. But excited to have you on. Like I said, we are uh, both went to Northwest for a little bit. Um, wish our paths would have crossed. That would have been so cool. But uh, nonetheless, we know that awesome area that is Maryville, Missouri, man. But Let's go ahead and dive in here. I, I love – I've followed you guys on Twitter for a long time, seeing what you mm-hmm. guys are doing and everything. But for the listeners out there, what's kind of going on at Platteview? What are you kind of doing down there? Yeah, so I I try to explain to people kind of when we talk about program overview, like we, we got a little bit of everything. And I, I feel like you have to do that with the high school realm because especially as a class – like ours is a PE class. Like, so they can take as many times as they want to rotate through. So I can have a high school that I have for six months plus training time throughout the summer. Like I get them for four straight years. So like you've got to, depending on the time of the year and where they're at, you got to piece in different things to keep giving them that stimulus that they need as they progress through. Um, so we're like a, we're a modified tier. Uh, that's, organizationally that's easiest for me so you get a total body day as they roll through um now our our structure is different because our school day we're a period schedule Mm -hmm. but we're a modified block so i've got block classes which is uh two periods put together so those are 88 minutes but then we also have two course offerings that are periods that go every day so the modified tier helps us from an organizational standpoint um, but then we also can do our speed and agility work with those block classes where on those period days, they're, they're standalone days. Um, so it's kind of, 
if you were to come in for a day, some people would be like, what's going on? But kind of when you step back and look at it overall, it, it's really the same stuff. It's just split up into different days because that's when we can fit it in. So uh, generally, you know, uh, a lot of people talked about, they go, you know, with the tier system, total lower upper, yep. we go lower to start. I like squatting early in the week just because I, that's when my kids feel the freshest and the best to squat. I've tried to do it later in the week. Um, they just, they didn't feel great. And so me as a high school strength coach, the best thing I can do to create buy-in for my kids is to make them feel good. Yep. Like, cause my, most of my kids aren't walking in the weight room to be better, but weightlifters, they're there to get better for their sport. And so I've got to do my job to make them feel good and perform in their sport. So that way, one, they can thrive in that area, but two, it's going to help them keep coming back. Like kids don't want to come back to a place where they don't feel good about. So you got to make them feel good about it from there. So, oh man, I could shout that to the rafters, which you just said right there. It's like, make like they're there to be a baseball player. They're there to be a volleyball player. They're there to be a football player. They're not there to be a, now there are kids obviously that end up becoming lifters and stuff like that, but, um, right. and, and not every kid's going to go on to the next level, unfortunately too. So you're there just to help them also too with the general fitness side of things. Cause you want them to be able to go into a, a gym five years down the road and, Hey, I can remember what coach Krause, you know, showed me back when I was out in high school and stuff like that and, and everything. But as right. far as, as far as you talk about like the squatting in the beginning of the week, I find that to be very beneficial, like you said, cause it's, let's take a football player for instance, right? Their game day is on Friday. You know, that's, we want to have it probably the, the heaviest day away from competition. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. Because again, that allows that recovery time there. Um, and then they feel their best. Now, some things I've also ran into is, you know, you get the sport coaches that say, well, that works for football, but what about volleyball who's playing Tuesday, Thursday, or Monday, Thursday, or JV football's playing on Monday and whatnot. Yeah. So I think, I think allowing you to have those days set, but then your programming or your adjustments allows for those kids to know exactly what they can do to help them feel good. Plus on top of the fact of high school kids to me are resilient. So, I mean, I, I give a lot of ownership to our kids. Like I create the structure, but the more we've gotten rolling with it, the kids understand like, Hey, I feel great today. I know I've got a game, but I'm going to feel just fine. So we're going to, we're going to get after it. Um, and we, we can kind of base that off some of our monitoring stuff, but we also just have conversations with kids. Like, I feel like we can dive into, you know, what kind of metrics and things we're doing to assess kids on their readiness and whatnot. But to me, the best one I use every single day is just talking to kids, yeah. watch them come in your room and have a conversation with them and build that relationship. Um, because then you can ultimately see exactly how they're going to perform that day, but kind of going off of those games and whatnot. I mean, we, 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 uh, utilize APRE, um, but we also utilize VBT and different things like that with our, uh, in season kids. So looking at that, we can assess and make adjustments based on that. So like uh, we were heavy into the postseason with all of our basketball teams and they were, they were starting to feel it. Legs were getting a little heavy and whatnot. And so I said, Hey, you guys aren't jumping the best today. You're just looking sluggish. I go, we're going to hit all of our sets. I go, but we're going to hit our bare minimum reps. Mm -hmm. Like we're just going to cut the volume way down. And you would have thought that I, it was Christmas morning. <laughs> like, and, and they, they were happier after they lifted than when I told them that, like they were excited, like, sweet, I don't really have to get after it. But I said, Hey, we're still going to get after it. 
I mean, we're just cutting your reps in half. Right. So we're still going to get quality work in. We're still going to create that training environment, but we're going to do what's best for you. They were excited about it. But then when they got done, they were like, man, I feel great. And I think that's the thing from a high school perspective that we have to do to make kids feel great about training, but also understand what they can do to adjust to make them feel even better. I love that you talked about that with the adjustment side of things, right? That's where I think sometimes when you get caught in a, um, and there's nothing against a linear periodization kind of thing, where if it says like 70, let's say it's 85% and it's one of those days you're like, man, legs are feeling heavy and you're talking to your athlete and they're like, man, I'm, let's say they went to club sport the night before, they didn't get a good night's sleep or whatever it was. It's a tough test day. They're just not feeling it. Maybe 85% really needs to be like 70%. You know, or and, you, I don't know. And, and like you say, it might need to be 70% based on what they were, but even that 70% could be 85 or even 90% that day. Yep. Exactly. So, and that's that, that thought process has led me down to our velocity based training rabbit hole. And, and we can dive into that more yeah. um, as we go here. But, but the more we started to utilize that, I've actually started to use it more and more with kids because, like you said, club sports and all those extra outside stressors that we can't, we have no control over. Yeah. So I feel like, especially at the high, I feel like it's almost more at the high school level than any other level. I mean, college is probably similar from a stress standpoint, but we're stress regulators. Yep. Like, I think if we really want to think about it as a high school coach, we have to look at it from a stress standpoint, academic, athletic, social, family, we have to take into account all these different things and understand that, yeah, we've got this great training block put out and it's going to work to a textbook, but I don't work in a textbook. (laughs) I work it. I work in the real world. And I mean, you've heard people say it before, like a kid can get crushed just because of his environment and how he feels, but he could have a horrible day up until right before he comes to your class. And then he has a girl wink at him in the hallway and man, he's about eight feet tall now and he's undestructible and he's probably going to hit a PR that day just because that's the way high school kids are. Well, and I think if you're, you know, you're talking about your basketball kids, right? And how they, they came, they were so happy after the session was, they felt better, they moved better and everything like that. Imagine if you just kind of stuck to the script, right? right. Well, if they get the right there in the here and now, that's going to suck, but even for the long-term effects that it's going to have on them. Yep. And I've been there. I've been that guy. Like, <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. I've, I've, I've expanded and grown quite a bit. I've been that guy that's like, no, we still got to go. Like, right. but I think it, again, it's that understanding of we have to be humble as strength coaches and say, I'm here to serve the kids and I'm here to serve my sport coaches. Yep. So I've got a plan, but is my plan going to actually make them better that day? Or is it going to make them worse? And I think that's the big thing as a coach, we have to understand, yes, we need systems and we need programs. Don't get me wrong. You got to have that and you got to be organized, but you also have to have the ability to adapt day to day and set by set minute by minute, because I've also had kids who have felt horrible that day coming in. We had a plan to cut them back. They started rolling and moving and we got the blood flowing and they said, no, I feel good. And so I said, let's, let's follow what we talked about and then we'll see where we go. And boom, we're right back to what we had planned. They just need to get moving. Like, it's just, you have to adapt to give the kids what they need. So you, you talked about how you guys have the modified block and, and the period and stuff like that. Um, and you mentioned a little bit into the, uh, the speed and agility side. Before we dive into the VBT side, which I'm very fascinated in, is 
how are you putting in with that speed and agility stuff within your guys' block situation? Maybe it's an all, it's an out of season kid. Right. So we, we kind of focus, we don't differentiate our speed and agility too much between in season and off season. Um, I'm very, I've been influenced quite a bit the last year and a half for the whole feed the cats movement. And so um, it's, it's, to me, it's a minimum effective dose. What can I give to elicit the change that I want without going too, too overboard. Um, And so we have, we're a lot of high intensity sprint change of direction stuff, but then there's a lot of time we're just standing around hanging out. Like we're just talking because I want the kids fully recovered. And I tell them, I say, if, if we're not getting enough rest time and your reps don't look perfect, are you getting better from it? And, and you're not. And, and our kids, I started saying that to our kids and they go, well, that makes too much. Like, that's too simple coach. What are you talking about? But I was like, if, if we really want to get better, what are we doing? Having poor reps? Like it's in everything we talk about and they didn't, they know it in the weight room, but they never thought about it outside the weight room. They know it in sport practice, but they don't know it in just speed and agility drills. So it's bridging that gap and that thought process to bring it all together. That's where the ball starts rolling. So we're a lot of high intensity, uh, short sprints, um, early in the week, we've been doing our max velocity work. Um, so that's paired with our heavy squat day. So it's kind of a high CNS day coming off the weekend and we can, we can talk about, you know, whether it's best to come off the weekend with high school kids because of club sports, whatnot. I mean, that's a whole different gamut that we can get into, but for me, that's, what's worked. Like, that's just what we've found has worked best for us. So we do our max velocity days with our squat days. So either Monday or Tuesday, like I said, with that block class or periods, we do max velocity work Monday and then we'll squat Tuesday. Um, and then Wednesday, Thursday blocks are change of direction, reactive agility. Mm-hmm. Um, and we like really said the reactive side. I like the reactive. Yep. Yes. And that was one thing that we've really been, as we've been talking through our change of direction stuff with our kids is we need to clearly identify what the difference between change of direction is and what agility is. Because a lot of people want to talk about, well, this is agility. No, agility revolves around a component you have to react upon. Change of direction is a closed chain skill that you just need to go through. And we drill both. Uh, we We do a lot of different stuff with change of direction, cutting different angles like that. Um, but then we'll do a lot of reactive stuff that involves that with hip turns, things like that, cutting. But we'll also do it with games. Like we'll do a reactive rock, paper, scissors, like Jeremy Boone, I think, you know, blew up last summer with it. And we, we, I stole it straight from him. So like we'll do rock, paper, scissors reaction is what I call it. Or we'll do head, shoulders, knees, and toes, and you got to grab a cone. It's all stuff to force the brain and the different auditory visual systems to react upon because that's what they have to do in sport. So if we can get all those different things and bridge the gap together, I think that's huge for our kids. So we do that Wednesday, Thursday, and then uh, Thursday, Friday. So Thursday is kind of a blended change of direction reaction, but we also get some acceleration component into it, um, which you also get with max velocity work. Um, But then Friday, we'll do um, acceleration and we'll throw in some plyo stuff too. So we'll do a, some kind of low mid-level plyometric stuff with it. Dude, that's awesome. Like to be able to, cause a lot of the, some of the high school coaches I talk to, 
because of time constraints and everything like that, they're unable to get that much work in. So the fact that you're able to get that much work in, I mean, it's got to be paying dividends for the athletes. Yeah. I mean, that's no, huge. we've, we've seen, yeah, we've seen a big return on just general skills that kids can transfer to different sports. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's been huge for us. Now, again, our block classes are 88 minutes. Um, so we probably get 75, 70 to 75 minutes total training. And that is uh, movement prep to finishing the cooldown. So um, it's a, been a big benefit for us. So we get about a good 25 minutes in of movement prep, speed and agility stuff, which is absolutely massive for us. Oh my, and you think of that over the long term, right? So are you getting these kids as junior highs as well? Yeah, so uh, actually we have a junior high strength and conditioning foundations class is what it's called. That's and awesome. It's part, of their, it's part of their specials rotation. So they have, it's a one semester class and it's an alternating A, B day. So they're our junior high is all periods. Uh-huh. So um, I get one group Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the next group, Tuesday, Thursday, and then the next week it flips. So it's just an alternating schedule. Um, we focus more foundational movements there. Um, cause I mean, they're sprinting, jumping, whatever in their sports already. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll go over fundamental stuff as far as movement skills there. Um, but when we first start with them, it's those foundational squat, hinge, push, pull, brace, carry, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then kind of the second part of the semester or the second quarter of the semester, that's where we start to introduce a little bit more max velocity, sprint mechanics, change of direction stuff after we started to really hone in on the, the weight room movements per se. So I think about it. So the reason I ask that is because like you're giving this foundation in junior high and then they're going to go all the way, hopefully to you through your senior year, right? That's five right. years. Well, I guess like four and a half with this only the semester of yep. good sound foundational training. By the time they're a senior, man, I'm sure you're able to probably regulate things a lot more easy. And then you're, you talked about using the VBT stuff. Like you can get a little bit more, into that side of it too right right for sure yeah so it's it's paid off huge and we actually we actually get our kids uh in the summer as seventh graders so i get them even earlier than that so yeah we're we're actually 7 12 and i say as seventh graders that's incoming seventh graders so it's like the back end of their sixth grade year going into seventh we get them but kind of one of the things i'm looking at right now is how do we get that gap filled between that summer going into seventh grade and then summer going into eighth grade. Like to me, I need to take advantage of that. So, um, but yeah, like you said, it's four and a half, five, uh, essentially five cumulative years of training and building out that long runway to understand like, how can I get these kids to go from day one all the way up? So it's a constant change in, in, process day to day because you're constantly evaluating stuff but (laughs) it's been a lot of fun I'm in my third year and so uh the juniors right now are my first freshman group and the sophomores were my first junior high group that I had as junior high kids so it's been a ton of fun to see them like progress as they go and uh, with you know the resources that we have and we're very fortunate is we've got we've got we feel like we've got things rolling. So, but as, as always, you, you got to change, you got to grow and you got to adapt. So kind of go from there. I couldn't agree with you more though. You always got to continue to grow. got to continue to learn and try and see how can we, you know, sure up everything, what we're doing and stuff like that. And sounds like one of the things that you found was switching over and using some of that VBT stuff, finding some of the readiness and everything like that. Can you kind of dive into that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So, um, 
you know, obviously the best coaches are thieves and they steal everything. <laughs> like I've, I've stolen so much stuff. like there, I don't think there's anything we do that is original to us. Like I've just stolen components or pieces from other people. Um, and so kind of from a readiness standpoint, we do cold jumps. Uh, we have a just jump mat. Um, and we're actually in the process of looking at uh, getting one or two plyo mats here in the near future, just because yeah. I think RSI is another big component that we can implement. Um, but for right now, we have a just jump mat. So when our kids change, and this is every class except for my junior high kids, I haven't dove into it with our junior high kids just yet. And I can explain why here in a little bit, but every high school class block or period, they change out of the locker room and they come out right away and they hit two cold jumps. And we're just trying to measure what's that, uh, what's their readiness from a central nervous standpoint, from muscular standpoint, like what's their readiness, how explosive are they are that day. And so we track it in a Google Sheets document mm -hmm. and uh, talking to Mark Hoover, he's the main one I stole it from. Uh, he found that 90% of that rolling average was kind of that baseline. If they fall below that, that's a kind of a red flag. Of, hey, something's going on, whether it's just central nervous system fatigue, whether there's an injury they're not disclosing anything like that. Um, and so I've got it set up where I've got all the jumps uh, rolling to the, uh, to the right. And I've got a column right next to that day's jump. So I can plug in their jump and then I can look right away and see what that 90% threshold is. Yep. And I can see if they're good or not. 98% of the time, uh, our kids are good. They're within, you know, that 90% or above or whatnot. Um, but then there's instances where they're not jumping good that day. And the kids know, like they know right around what their average is. So they know, and I tell them their numbers on every jump. And so they kind of give me that look, like, I know what question's coming. It's going to be, how are you feeling today? And then this opens up the conversation of, yeah, I didn't sleep good last night. Or I had a late training session last night with my sport trainer. Or, you know, I just, I don't feel good today. I'm super sore, you know, or I don't, I don't know what's going on. Like, I just don't have it today. And that's that answer right there is the one like, okay, now we need to start looking at, are you recovering? What are you doing with sleep? What are you doing with hydration? Opens up so many more doors that we can get into. Yeah. Um, but for us, that's been a big thing just to monitor and track and just see how our kids are doing. Um, then from a regulation standpoint, um, from a programming standpoint, I was a big APRE guy. So before I got into velocity-based training, I was huge in APRE just from the aspect of I need to meet kids where they are that day. Yep. So when I first started, I was linear. Then I started to go into APRE after listening to Gary Schofield and diving into Brian Mann's stuff. Um, and it just made sense for the high school kids. So I was big into that. And so we were auto, kind of already auto-regulating the best we could. Mm -hmm. um, then we were very fortunate to get uh, VMAX Pro units. Um, and so we've actually got one at every rack. So when I say I'm fortunate, I am, I am blessed. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to shy away. Like oh, I have an amazing support system here. Um, we were lucky enough to where we have a education foundation. And so we put in for a grant through that. And we talked about how we could, uh, take the data from that into our physics classes yeah. and go kind of that STEM route. And they absolutely loved it. So most of them I got for free, our foundation got for us. Um, so with that, we started to put VBT units on most of our main compound lifts. So that way we can auto-regulate that way. So I've blended it into APRE. It's probably not the most efficient way, um, but it's a way that's worked for us. Um, I know Mike Buley has talked about how he's kind of set up his own system when he was at Clemson. Um, but what we did was 
So like APRE six, you're at 80% of that, uh, you know, training max, what, whatever it is. And so set three is 48 reps. Well, what I did is I just took the middle. I just prescribed it for six. And I said, we're going to hit six reps on that set three. And we're going to see what our set average is. If okay. we're above our range, we need to be at, you're going to go up that next set. If you're down, you're going to drop it. If you're right where you need to be, boom, we're good to go. So for us, it plugged it within the system we were already using, but it allowed us to be even more specific with how we were adjusting it. So again, that's worked well for us. Um, and then we've, we've kind of plugged it into the different programming methodologies we've had a little bit so kids can see, um, and then they don't feel left out. Like, okay, why is Timmy using it? But I don't get to. Right. So, yeah. So that's interesting. Have you found like a, um, a competitive aspect of it with the, with the athletes too, as well? Yeah. The intent behind it. Exactly. Insane. It's insane because you realize <laughs> when you have to tell a high school boy, he's got to take weight off the bar. That is the last thing he wants to be told. Yep. And so if you tell him, Hey, we're going to focus perfect technique, perfect form, everything like that. But if that number falls below this, we're going lighter. And it's not, it's not me. It's not coach Krause being a jerk. Right. Like, that is data that you're not moving it fast enough. We're not getting what we want out of that day. Mm -hmm. So I want you to be the best version of yourself and get you to your ceiling. And this is how we need to do it. So then it kind of holds them accountable too, like, when I'm walking around, you know, checking sets and stuff, hey, why was this moving this slow? Because I know you were moving it faster on this set and it didn't change. So what was going on? So then it opens up the conversations of knowing how you're supposed to do things set to set. You know, the one thing I've noticed throughout the theme of us talking here as well is like just how important communication is. Like you just talked about right there, like being able to look at the numbers and being able to open that that dialogue and that conversation with the athlete right then here and now or pulling them aside and the readiness to be like, Hey, what's going on? Or at the end of a session, what's going on? Um, I really hope coaches kind of take that hone in a little bit and listen to what you're saying, because communication is absolutely key. You said it earlier in the podcast. And I think it's probably um, something that people should, should really listen to is like the stress management side of things. Like you are a, as a strength coach, a lot of times, I think you really are a stress manager. And that's where I think this VBT side of things is it's really, really growing. And people are being able to see like, the auto regulation side, if, you, if you're able to do it, you're able to have the resources available to you. I mean, it could be a game changer for your program, not only from a buy-in standpoint, but just from a long-term standpoint of with your athletes. Is that what you're kind of finding too as well? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because not only, like you said, it's that relational piece is that communication piece, but then kids also start to understand and feel what certain things are supposed to feel like. Exactly. Like before, before a kid doesn't know what 80% feels like. <laughs> then, I, then I can say, all right, you know, we need to be at 0.5. Well, then they get to 0.5 and they're like, oh, that's what 80% feels like. Mm -hmm. Or the, you know, in general, your female athletes, you know, it's not as bad as what they would think when they hear 80%. And your guys understand that 80% is not 95. Like it's actually 80. <laughs> so... So it's just understanding, opening those conversations, but then linking it to that long term, um, whether they want to be an athlete or if they just want to tra train in general after they graduate from high school, yep. they should know and understand like how certain weights should feel based on, you know, that perceived exertion. Yep. And then that kind of helps them from a longevity standpoint of how to train and things like that. Well, I think too, also, it is very easy to be able to hand that data and to show that with a sport coach, 
right? So being able to regulate like practices, like, hey, like here's what everybody was at. This is where we're looking at, like maybe cutting some periods off here and there and stuff like that. Or, hey, this is what I saw with Jade and, and Jack Doe. Like this is what's going on. I think too, that probably helps as well. Right, for sure. Yeah, it opens up plenty of conversations because then, I mean, we've had a few instances where I've reached out to a sport coach after the first couple sessions of the day or the first couple blocks of the day. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, Hey, was it, was it pretty heavy yesterday? Like, what was your guys's day? Like, right. Just because then it may, to me, it may look like it was a heavy day, but maybe those kids just decided not to recover. Maybe they were up, they weren't sleeping because of tests. Right. Maybe. And so now we can figure out, okay, where is this stress coming from? But then also if it's not from their sport, then they can know, hey, they don't feel great today. Like, yep. so then if they need to adjust sport practice, they can a little bit. Like, like you said, that's the big component as far as it's, it becomes all encompassing as long as you can take that data and that feedback and understand what to do with it. Exactly. Cause I think of it from like a strength and conditioning standpoint, like we have to hone in on what we're doing and know what's going on with these outside sources because it directly affects us inside of the weight room on what you're going to do throughout that day. Plus two, as the sport coaches, they want to know that like, Hey, when they go and see coach Smith, coach Krause or whoever, like, Hey, they're going to be taken care of. And they know that everything's going to kind of work out the way they want to. And you will be able to have that conversation and that dialogue back and forth with them because there's nothing worse than when you don't have that relationship with the sport coach or maybe a parent or something like that. And it's kind of difficult to have those conversations. And when you have data back back behind you and you're able to open up those conversations and make things for me personally, a lot more easier. Oh, it's, it's a game changer. It's absolutely a game changer. Plus you talk about, you want to talk about a culture piece. Yeah. Like you want to talk about all encompassing culture and understanding that everyone's pulling on the same end of the rope rather than each other. You, you start bringing that information and it doesn't need to be a, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is what you should do. It's a, Hey, I'm tracking this because I want our kids to perform. I just want you to understand what I'm seeing. Mm. Then once you kind of throw that lure into the, into the water and you start to get some nibbles, then it opens up way more conversations and you build that bridge. And then you can start to show those sport coaches even more. Hey, I'm an extension of your coaching staff. Yeah. Like what I'm doing is to make sure that your kids and your program set up for success. Yeah. I mean, that's, you just nailed on the head with that is like, they have like you, everybody's there to go get the one thing, right? They're there to win. They're there to go get a ring and they're there to help the athletes. That's the number one thing you're there for the athlete. Number one. And if there's any kind of question in between that, then that relationship is going to be having a little bit of friction. So I think too, and as a strength coach, it's very important to, to have those relationships. I love that you talked about that. Um, I think that's absolutely huge. Um, and this has been really beneficial right here for coaches to be able to hear that. So I appreciate you sharing that with us, uh, yeah. Coach Krause. But um, to kind of dive in a little bit more as far as into the high school realm and everything like that, um, what have you, and you kind of talked about a lot of the stuff that you found to be successful, but over your time frame, time frame of training high school athletes, what have you found to be most successful inside the weight room? Um, the ability to adapt. Yeah. Like, and I know, I know that seems kind of cliche and we've kind of hit on it, but yeah. early in my career, um, and I, I, I still, to this day, when I wake up, like, I feel like I've got to figure out how to grow as a coach. 
Yeah. And so uh, when I say that, I understand like I'm constantly trying to chase education and become better. But early in my career, I was very ignorant in regards of we had to do X, Y, and Z to be better. Mm-hmm. I had to back squat, I had to barbell bench press, and I had to do Olympic variations. Like mm-hmm. that gold standard, that's the way to do. Now, as we've gotten, now as I've gotten further into it and understanding the body doesn't understand what exercise we're doing. It just knows that we're putting a stress on it. Exactly. So what's the best way I can put that stress on it yep. to make that kid feel good? Like, because here's the thing, a split squat is still a squat. An RFE squat is still a squat. A front squat is still a squat. Like the body doesn't know any different. And you can talk about different load angles, things like that, whatever. To me with the high school kid, do the, do the movement pattern to elicit the response you want. That's, and that, that to me has been the biggest game changer because you're not forcing that kids in their square peg to go into a round hole, like get them to do something that they feel good doing. That's going to get the response that you want as a coach. And we move on because Mm -hmm. that's all we're here trying to do is to make them better. A hundred percent agree with that. There's so many different ways to create a stimulus like they don't have to always do the back squat. They could do a goblet squat. Like you said, like, I think that don't be married to exercises. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, that's the worst thing I think as a coach you could possibly do because it puts yourself in a corner and it doesn't have you the ability to, like you said, adapt. What if things go wrong and you're like, Oh my goodness, we can't back squat this week or we can't do cleans this week. It's like, well, what else can we do? Right. right? Be you open. Can, you, can, you can throw a med ball yes. and you can still be explosive. And you can still hit the triple extension everyone wants. Like, just focus on what does this look like compared to this? And are you doing it in the same manner in which you want it, wanting it to be done? Like, it's as, I feel like it's as simple as that. But us as strength coaches, we want to get pigeonholed into, well, I've got to be West Side or I've got to be this or I've got to be that. And yeah. nothing against West Side. Like, I was just throwing something out. So I don't want anyone to take offense to that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, they're so caught in an identity of what they, what they feel like they need to do when it's okay to try something new. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. Like they're high school kids. It's not like you're going to wreck someone in one day, but understand that if you're trying to do what's best for them, you're never going to wreck them. If you're trying to do what's best for you as a coach, that's where you start to wreck kids. And that's where you start to see problems. I mean, the biggest thing would be you are trying to be the best strength coach that you can for Platteview High School. Right. That's who you, that's who you're, that's who you're serving. You're not yep. serving anybody else. Right. Yep. So and think about I, and that. I think, and I think kind of bridging off that, I think people get so caught up in social media yep. and we're trying to compare ourselves to other coaches. I've got a high school less than five minutes from me. That is five times our size. I guess what I'm not trying to do what they're doing because my clientele, although we're five minutes apart from each other, we're way different. So why would I try and copy them? Now I can go there for a site visit and I can have conversations and we can talk about what we're doing, but then I need to be able to decipher that information and pull it in and see how can it fit my situation. And I think again, social media, we just get snippets. And no offense, no one's going to put the bad stuff on social media. No one's going to put something that doesn't look great on social media. So we've got to understand, okay, I'm seeing probably one of the best situations from that room. That's not the reality of every single kid that's in our program. 
Exactly. Like, so we've got to understand, hey, okay, that's a great concept. Does it work for me? Does it work for our kids? And if it doesn't, all right, we move on. But like you said, you've got to be the best coach in your program. And Ryan Johnson says it all the time. Um, be a farmer. Like you've got to, you've got to be an expert in your field, which is the school that you're at. Like you can't be a farmer somewhere else. I love that. I love that. Well, coach, uh, we'll go ahead and get winded down here. Um, before I give you the last question of the day, um, where can people find you? Where can they find you on social media and stuff like that? If they want to want to follow you and stuff, reach out. Yeah. So I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, Twitter and Instagram, you know, I kind of just post stuff out there. I have, I have my personal pages and then I've got my school pages. So my personal ones, both Twitter and Instagram are coach and Kraus. So coach first initial last name. Um, and then uh, professional ones, Twitter is Platview underscore SC for Twitter. And then Instagram is just at Platview strength. Um, so those are, those are pages. I try to push out a lot of content with our kids and what we're doing in our program on those uh, Platview pages. So those would probably be the best ones if people want to kind of dive in. The personal one, I kind of just do more for my personal growth and exchanges there, but I retweet all the stuff that I put on my professional ones through my personal pages. So if they want to connect me, they can go on either one. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll respond either way. The, the high school one is awesome because you can actually look and see what you guys are doing. And I, I love being able to check out those videos and see like what's going on, what's Coach Krause doing and everything like that. So I really suggest people go reach out and and follow that man because you're doing a great thing obviously last question last question what are you grateful for man i mean like like i said earlier like i'm i'm very blessed uh obviously you know my wife uh you know wouldn't be able to do anything that i do without her like this week alone i was on uh two phone calls and i had two face-to-face meetings with other coaches just trying to grow and she like she fully gets it like she works eight hours a day. We don't see each other all day. And then she comes home and I'm like, Hey honey, I'm going to jump on a phone call real quick. And it's, she doesn't bat an eye. She's like, yep, go do it. Um, so her support is unbelievable. And then obviously, you know, extended family, everything like that. Uh, the staff at Platteview, man, like you want to talk about a lucky guy. Like I have, I don't know in my three years, I've been told no once, like it's, it's insane. And so Having that support, I've got two other people in our department that help me in the weight room. So like having that ability to not only have extra eyes, but also like have a staff at a school our size and to be able to bounce those ideas off of and, you know, make sure like, hey, is, are we going the right direction? Like I ask those guys all the time and they're like, what do you, why are you questioning? But having that ability to bounce ideas off people, I don't think people understand how vital that is. So the staff at Platteview and the administration have just been phenomenal. So those are definitely some support systems. And I'm, I'm a very blessed and lucky man. That's awesome, man. It's great to hear. And yeah, it's gotta have that, uh, that significant other that's, that's going to be there for you and help you out along the way. And then those people that you work with, man, that's, that's, it's truly special to have that in your life, man. Coach Nick, I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast. Um, this is an awesome episode, man. Appreciate it, man. I'm very, very humbled that you asked me to be on. So I uh, hope, hope everyone gets some good information out of it. I know I did. I got a whole script full right here, and I'm going to have a lot more when I got to edit it down, man. So I appreciate it very much. Well, everybody, go reach out to uh, uh, Coach Nick. Go follow him on social media, see what they're doing. And everybody, stay strong.